And so, before hitting record and hours before recording and even shortly after work, uh, there was a check for more updates. And so far, I'm seeing nothing new in the uh, Brianna Gay uh, murder trial, murder case, and um, and nothing new uh, in the story in general. Uh, so I will uh, just step away from it for this particular recording. Uh, but I do want to come back to it, and then um, once they ultimately land on a verdict. Um, I'll be looking at uh, aftermath commentaries from other folks and um, uh, developing and delivering an aftermath commentary of my own. On the trial of Michael Owen Jr., the fate of the former Prince George's County police officer is now in the hands of a jury. Owen is accused of shooting and killing 43-year-old William Green. And Green was in handcuffs in the front seat of a police car when he was shot. Owen is the first officer in county history to be charged with murder. Our Scott Broom has been on top of this case from the beginning. He's live again outside the Prince George's County Courthouse in Upper Marlboro. So, Scott, you were with us at 4 to tell us that the jury had just started deliberating. Uh, anything happened within that time? No, we, do, we don't know what's going on in the jury room. They've just finished their first hour of deliberations. It's unclear if Judge Michael Pearson is going to keep them late into the evening or send them home. We'll let you know when we know that. But in any circumstance, this seven-day dramatic trial is going to boil down to whether or not this jury believes the story told by the police officer, Corporal Michael Owen, in testimony yesterday. In dramatic testimony Monday, Owen told jurors that Green was violently thrashing in the front seat of Owen's police car and used his 230-pound body to ram the officer into the driver's side pillar of the inside of the car. Owen said his gun came out of the holster, and despite being in handcuffs, Owen claims Green got his hands on it. Owen said a shot went off as the two struggled for the gun, and then Owen said he got control of the pistol and fired a volley of six shots into Green to stop him. He shot because if he didn't shoot, he thought he was going to die, Owen's attorney told jurors this afternoon. But there are serious problems with evidence in the case. There is citizen video of the incident, but the video that captured the moment of the shooting is mysteriously missing. And the lawyers argued bitterly over a bullet found in the police car. The defense claims it was the first shot Owen said went off as the men struggled, supporting the officer's story. Prosecutors say the story is made up and the bullet actually went through Green's body. DNA might have resolved that question, but nobody ever tested for it. Prosecutors say there was no evidence of a violent fight in the police car. They say Green was shot shortly after another officer witnessed him threatening to urinate in the police car. He said, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And shortly after that, Green is shot six times, Prosecutor Jason Abbott said. Nothing Mr. Green did was deserving of being shot six times by the defendant. And he was in handcuffs and in custody in the front seat of Owen's car when he was shot. This all happened back in January of 2020. There have been numerous delays in the case, including a failed plea bargain deal. So this happened nearly four years ago before the jury got the case. The Green family, which has already run a $20 million wrongful death suit in this case, most of them have been in the courtroom throughout this seven-day trial, sometimes in tears. They have promised uh, to come out and offer comments to the media after the jury arrives at a verdict. Again, the jury deliberating right now, 
We're not sure how late they'll go into the night or whether it'll go into tomorrow. We'll keep you updated on that in our broadcast later this evening. Reporting live at the Prince George's County Courthouse, Scott Broom, WUSA 9. Yeah, Scott, that verdict could come in five seconds. It could come in five days. We know you're going to stay on top of it and keep us posted as soon right. as we get word. Thank you. Right, so I had an interaction with a... Uh, a younger person, um, a younger person by just almost uh, two decades, and uh, their reaction to uh, some news was a fairly negative reaction. Uh, let's take a look at that news. Now, I'm going to draw directly from the folks over here at VT Digger. That's Vermont Digger, right? Local small outlet there in Vermont in Vermont. I think the headline right on the nose. Headline goes, Bernie Sanders votes against Ukraine aid package citing unconditional funding for Israel. Now, they hop right into the article in an interview with VT Digger on Wednesday afternoon, the independent senator from Vermont said he was opposed to providing Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's government government money with no strings attached. Uh, senator Peter Welch joined the rest of the Democratic caucus in supporting the measure. Article up by Sarah Mirhoff, published December 6th. Fairly recently, right now it is December 7th, this went up 3.28 p.m. about 13 hours ago and was updated 10.13 p.m. with this, a major foreign aid package designed to support Ukraine's far right, uh, Ukraine's fight against Russia and Israel's uh, fight against Hamas, okay, uh, failed on a key uh, procedural vote in the U.S. and the U.S. Senate on Wednesday as a United Republican caucus joined by U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders, independent of Vermont, as he opposed it. The measure needed 60 votes to advance, but won the support of just 49 senators, dealing a major blow to President Joseph Robinette Biden, who said Wednesday that such a result could kneecap Ukraine on the battlefield. Among those voting in favor of the 11, uh, $111 billion bill was Vermont junior U.S. Senator Democrat Peter Welch. And hours before Wednesday's vote, uh, Sanders told the Vermont Digger in an interview that it was the measures of funding for Israel, not Ukraine, that prompted his position. And Republicans, uh, meanwhile, said they objected to the bill because it insufficiently addressed security concerns along the U.S.-Mexico border. And now I will head over here to... Uh, I don't know who runs the page, but it is a, uh, a Senator Bernie Sanders official YouTube uh, page where you can see um, clips uh, that are like very recent, like shortly after they're filmed in C-SPAN, they go straight to this page. And this one went up. Uh, it is listed as one day ago. Clearly, I saw it yesterday. And um, and Senator Sanders out of Vermont is on the floor speaking on this deal. At a time when some 16,000 Palestinians have been killed in the last two months, two-thirds of whom are women and children, and tens of thousands more have been injured. At a time when 1.8 million people, Palestinians, have been displaced from their homes 
and are struggling every day. Having been thrown out of their homes, they don't know where they're going. They are struggling to get food and water and medical supplies and fuel just to survive. And I want you to think about what's going on with the children. A lot of children in that country. What is going on psychically? They're looking up in the sky. Is a bomb going to fall? Where am I spending the night? How do I get food? That's what's going on there right now. Madam President, at a time when over 250 people have been killed in the West Bank, I'm not talking about Gaza, I'm talking about the West Bank since October 7th, and more than 1,000 Palestinians have been driven off of their land in the West Bank. No, in the midst of all of that, I do not believe we should be appropriating over $10 billion for the right-wing extremist Netanyahu government to continue its current military approach. What the Netanyahu government is doing is immoral, it is in violation of international law, and the United States should not be complicit in those actions. Just today, just today, airstrikes, Israeli airstrikes, hit two UN schools housing displaced people. Today, two UN schools housing displaced Palestinians. More than 900 Palestinians have been killed since Friday. Israeli evacuation orders are delivered with little notice to people with no electricity and limited communication services, most of whom have already been displaced, have already been traumatized, and already lack basic necessities. And then, even then, the bombing continues. So, Madam President, as we proceed on this supplemental bill, which has some very, very important issues, count me in 100% for the humanitarian that we support that we need, not only in Gaza, but all over this world. Count me in for that. Count me in for serious discussions about how we improve border security. Count me in to help the people of Ukraine withstand Putin's terrible invasion. But do not count me in to give another $10 billion to a right-wing extremist government in Israel, by the way, whose prime minister now, I guess their trial for corruption uh, is continuing. Don't count me in to support that $10 billion. All right. And, uh, that was fairly easy to understand for me. Dollars, dollars. Whoops. And um, the individual, their response was kind of instantly, "Yeah, but he's weak on stuff." Yeah. Take a look around the rest of the Senate and Congress. They all are. Every single elected official that is somewhat ideologically aligned with us that one might consider to be the left, they're all weak. None of them go what we might consider far enough. This is the best we're gonna get. And I think that throwing that away, <laughs> just kind of, well, the hell with it. Like, do you, do you really want to uh, fully give up? And which I don't think that um, other people that haven't been born yet or are just very small children or even teenagers or just even folks my age, that they deserve for me to just entirely give up. I mean, hell, you look at an area like Michigan, let's say enough of us just kind of give up and we would have let that Republican win the district that Peter Meyer held. And if we would have let Tudor Dixon beat Gretchen Whitmer. What kind of silly beans nonsense? Like, like the, um, the Democratic supermajority in the state of Michigan just repealed a great deal of 1990s and 1980s right-wing legislation. It's gone. 
workers' rights have improved. I see it in real time as a worker, <laughs> you know? And But I could see someone else not understanding that because, like, let's say you're born in, like, the year, you know, 2000, 2001, 2002. You were born into a world where all that right-wing legislation was already there and omnipresent in your life. And for you, living under the results of that legislation is just the way it is. And you don't see any Democrats really fixing it doesn't seem good enough you know and um and then let's say you're born at that time by the time you get to like 2010 well you've gone through the uh the bush administration and now you're starting up with this new obama administration that isn't gonna go left at all frankly um hell even ended on a note of anti-black lives matter Yes, that is an actual thing, like a real speech Obama gave. You can go watch it for yourself. He went out anti-Black Lives Matter and saying that it's just an, um, it becomes an excuse to commit crimes, like protesting the police fellers is an excuse to commit crimes. That's how Barry left, right? So you live in that world, and then from there, you go to Trumpel-Stiltskin, let's say what, Uh, You have an individual that's like at the top of their 20s now. So while they were in their mid-teens, Trumple Stiltskin becomes president. And then as the primary goes on to try to see who's going to challenge him for the next run in 2020, the the so-called frontrunner, I'm saying so-called, the frontrunner, Joseph Robinette Biden, a story comes out credibly accused as they might say of Tara Reid talking about him sexually assaulting her and you see that this guy really ain't much left you start to see all those old clips resurface of uh, Joseph Robinette Biden in the 1980s saying he's all about cutting down that social securitizing social security checks fuck y'all need them for just get rich like me (laughs) yeah everything looks pretty whack and then turn around and look and then i think that with all that news i don't really know many of uh other residents when i you know fool around out here that even know what the democratic supermajority has been doing in the state house it's not being reported on hell you look at the local news you know what the local news is every time a black person farts near another black person black on black crime is reported negra farting Fart nigger. And so you got fart nigger news instead of legislative news. So they don't even know that real things are happening. And I I think that also like seeing the right wing as they've always been. But as they are now, the right wing is so much more costumed and cosplay than they used to be. Like how excited they are about their politicians and obnoxious they are about it. You start to think that, well, I guess maybe that's what politics is. Because, again, these new young folks, their coming of age, when they were going into their preteens, that was the fucking Tea Party wave. And they saw it live on the Internet. So they see politics as a whole different degree of team sports. Hell, they see interacting with people that are large life, not larger than life, but large life public figures, be it a well-known politician, a celebrity, that these are people that 
the supporters of them, dare I use the language, fans, that they're far more connected to and enthusiastic about, that you dress up to be like them, that you wear a Trump hat and a, a big old glitter top hat, you know, like, these folks look like professional dance troops for their party, and so when you turn around and they meet you and you're like, ah, yeah, I like that thing Bernie Sanders said. Good idea. I hope he gets that bill going the way he w wants it to go because I want that bill to go that way. And they see you as being just as enthusiastic as these wacky Tea Party folks, John Birch Society, or these Trump folks, John Birch Society, or the Republican Party in general, John Birch Society. They think that you're that. No, we're not regular people are regular and quite frankly as it has been said uh, during the primary I think um it may have been it was Robin Kincaid that's right it was Robin Kincaid of the head on radio network that said this no dead names Robin Kincaid uh, that said in a logical world where things make sense in the 2015-16 primary Quite frankly, the Democratic primary, let's move that and call that the general. It really should have been Hillary Clinton, a reasonable Republican. You know, I say that unironically. Hillary Clinton should have been the reasonable Republican on the right. And Bernie Sanders should have been the kind of milquetoast, regular, reasonable Democrat on the left. That's what that should have been. But where things are is super not that. And by simply saying out loud to your neighbor, hey, this particular senator is advancing an idea that you might think is good. Do you agree with the idea? Not do you jump up for joy for the senator? Do you agree with the idea? Right? <laughs> All right. You know, but that 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 was the little riff right there, and that was the uh, clip from C-SPAN that went straight to the uh, Bernie Sanders YouTube page. YouTube page that made me think of it. Ah, there we are, recording. All right, let me go ahead and uh, close out this uh, AM morning recording with a little bit. I I have to revisit the uh, the Brianna Gay. Um, this uh, real, I want to be real tight on this story. Uh, so we're looking at the uh, British Broadcasting Corporation dot uh, com, uh, UK News, England, uh, Manchester area. Art, uh, short article up by uh, Lauren Hurst and PA Media. We will, you will hear things that you've already heard on this program. Um, this is just a. A bit of a summarizing that Lauren Hurst and PA Media did here for British Broadcasting Corporation. And we will close out this morning recording with this, get it uploaded and off to you, the person that would like to tune in to this program. So they tell us a 16-year-old Brianna Gay suffered unsurvivable injuries when she was stabbed uh, 28 times during a sustained and violent assault a jury has heard. Now that part, I do not think that we, um, we heard that particular detail or, you know, just that particular thought on it in any of our recent recordings and uploads. 
that they were just unsurvivable. Like, so let's say even if uh, Brianna was breathing and was brought into a, uh, a hospital in breathing condition, a medical facility, a center somewhere, breathing with a, with a heartbeat, with a pulse at all, um, they're saying she still would have died. Uh, Brianna, who was transgender, was found by dog walkers in Kilkethlanir Park in uh, Cheshire, and this was back in February 11th. Two teenagers identified only as girl X and boy Y both deny murder. And as you've heard, particularly this week, in the most ridiculous ways. The Manchester Crown Court heard the knife used at, used um, was consistent with a 12-centimeter uh, hunting knife found with Brianna's blood still on it. And this was in Boy Y's bedroom. The trial, now in its second week, has been um, told that girl X and boy Y had a fixation with torture, violence, and death, and drew up a kill list of child victims. Even though they were not a couple of wise pennies about it. And that is two cents for ya. An alleged murder plan to kill Brianna was found in the bedroom of Girl X, who had an interest in serial killers and described herself as a Satanist. I, in particular, don't worry about that part. There's no such thing as Satan, so if you call yourself a Satanist, it's kind of like it's equivalent to saying Mercury is in retrograde. Uh, a home office consultant pathologist, Dr. Allison Armour, we remember um, her. Uh, she told the jury uh, of the results of a post-mortem examination she carried out on Brianna's body the day after her death. It took about two hours uh, to detail the injuries using computer-generated images. Dr. Armour said of the 28 stab wounds that 14 were to the head and neck and 14 to the chest, back, and sides. She uh, concluded that injuries were consistent with a sustained and violent assault with a bladed weapon. Defense injuries to Brianna's right arm and right thumb included one wound entering the bicep and exiting the outside of the arm below the shoulder, entering the bicep and exiting the outside of the arm below the shoulder. We did not get that detail in the past several days of recording. Uh, she reports five significant injuries were also detailed to the court. With the jury uh, hearing, they resulted in wounds and damage to Brianna's left and right lungs, both lungs. Uh, which were both punctured as well as the aorta and esophagus. To the right-hand uh, side of the neck, there was a series of six stab wounds, one which completely severed the jugular vein and cart and, um, woo, let's get that word in order. There we go, carotid artery, outstanding. Um, the jugular vein and carotid artery, the injury alone would have been sufficient to cause death from a catastrophic hemorrhage. 
as said by Dr. Armour. She also found uh, damage from the weapon to Brianna's ribs, vertebrae, and breastbone, implying the stab wounds were inflicted with uh, considerable force, the court heard. Deanna here, Casey, prosecuting, asked the pathologist about images she had seen of the hunting knife found in Boy Y's bedroom, which had a single sharp edge blade 12, centimeter, 12 centimeters in length. And the uh, attorney said, is that a candidate for causing some, of all, some or all of these wounds? And uh, the doctor said yes, we remember that in our coverage. Uh, Toward the end of the article here, Dr. Armour said she could not exclude the possibility um, that another knife of similar size could have been used to inflict wounds, but there was no positive evidence suggesting the use of a second knife. She told the court that from the pathology evidence, it was not possible to say in which order the wounds were inflicted or whether Brianna was standing or sitting down when she was stabbed. The trial continues. And I hope you continue to attempt to be as safe as possible wherever you are. If you're hearing this on uh, patreon.com slash wine cellar media fund, thank you for checking out the Patreon. If you're hearing this somewhere on the regular feed, uh, one whole entire dollar a month uh, for simple little Patreon early access. If you're just like, yo, I need to hear that shit now, son. Uh, Boom. We'll get that shit slapped up there. And then, of course, within, um, you know, 24 to 80 hours, the uh, whatever you heard on Patreon will end up public for other folks. I could just use a little bit of funding for broccoli and sometimes even dark meat chicken that I can eat and then stay alive with. And because I'll be alive, I'll say, hey, why not record more episodes? Because the audience gave me food that kept me alive to keep recording. It's the circle of recording life. It's a cyclical. There you go. It's a cycle. All right, folks. I'm out. I have a shift to get to.